everybody. Amanda here, CEO of Multitude, the podcast collective that this incredible show is a part of. And before we get started today, I want to tell you about something new that we are doing here at Multitude happening right now. It's the multi-crew drive. Now, Multitude exists because of the support of listeners like you. And the very best way of supporting Multitude is to join the multi-crew, a membership program that lets you, our listeners, help fund new work from Multitude and get exclusive perks. So between now and October 1st, we are running the Multicrew Drive. We will be highlighting the ways your support makes a difference and show off all the ways that we pay it back to you, our community. We are running a couple of very cool specials that are not going to happen any other time this year. If you join the Multicrew by October 1st, you can get a brand new This Mug Supports Conversational Podcasts That Bring People Together mug. Very, very cool. And if you are an annual member at any level on October 1st, you will get your names inscribed forever on the We Put 2023 on Our Back plaque, which we will look at every day in the Multitude office. Some very cool stuff. Check it all out at multicrew.club. To learn more about the Multicrew Drive, stick around for the mid-roll in this episode where your host will tell you all of the best ways that you can join or visit multicrew.club to learn more about the drive. All right, let's get the show started. Welcome to Tell Me About It. Oh, I forget what the beginning is of that. (laughs) I have to. I forgot. I should bring up. I should bring up the actual. Intro. That's it. That's the beginning now. No, I'm Clothing. looking it up. <laughs> Welcome to tell me about it, a game show about proving that the things you love are actually interesting and fun. I am Eric Silver. Usually, audio butler, but today you might know me as Eric Silver, producer, showrunner, and co-creator of Tell Me About It. Uh, unfortunately, billionaire Adel Rafai and real Adel Rafai were involved in a long-term cloud fracking scheme, <laughs> which involved a uh, flooding Burning Man, and they're still there today. We cannot find them. Supposedly, they were one of them was the Burning Man, which was the thing that was going to get the clouds going. There was a confusion between smoke and steam. It was a whole thing. So we are doing a different type of episode where we talk about Tell Me About It. You might say, tell me more about it, colon, Ooh. the production of Tell Me About It. Good. And here is our illustrious editor, sound designer, and co-creator of Tell Me About It, Misha Stanton. Yes, it's me, the audio butler in real life instead of the one that's a role on a podcast. Hello. But I am nice to you. Yes, (laughs) that is the- very nice to you. That is the distinct and uh, wonderful difference between me, the actual audio butler, and you, the audio butler in the kayfabe. True. I want everyone to know, in my real life, I get a lot of respect. (laughs) Everyone likes me and respects me. (laughs) And it's all good, and I never have the problems that I do on the podcast. Uh, First, I want to say that uh, we're doing this episode because Tell Me About It is going on a little bit of a hiatus so that we can start doing more production. We're getting more guests. We're working on more episodes. Misha needs to buy more springs to do sound design with, all that foley. Yeah, Uh, because this one, Zootboying, is getting a little old and tired. (laughs) Yeah, we got to scour for the right spring, and that's taking a while. So new episodes of Tell Me About It are going to come in late October, um, but we thought that this was a wonderful idea to talk about where Tell Me About It came from and kind of like drop the kayfabe for a second uh, and just talk about podcasting. Yeah, 
Tell me about it. Hell yeah. Tell me about it. Tell the me t- about the it. The tell me about it episode of tell me about it. Yeah. Uh, Misha, can we talk about where the impetus of the show came from? Why did you want... Well, hey, what do you like about this show? What do you are you happy it exists? Why do you yes. like it? Yes, I am. Um, so when I first started working at Multitude a couple years ago, uh, you were like, "And if you have any ideas for a show, uh, pitch them and we'll work on them." And immediately, I was like, "I had this idea to do a game show that's not really a game show." That's ostensibly mm. a game show, but it's just really an excuse to have a podcast. Um, I was watching a lot of like newer game shows, uh, Taskmaster, uh, rebooted Whose Line with Aisha Tyler, which actually ran longer than the Drew Carey version. Uh, That's stuff. wild. I, I know. <laughs> I get so many Whose Line Is It Anyway TikToks, and mm-hmm. they're so good. They're Every time. so good. Yeah. Uh, and specifically, I was watching a lot of uh, Game Changer on Dropout and its various spinoffs. Um, and in fact, one thing I loved about Game Changer is like how much figuring out the game was part of the comedy of the show. Yeah, that was kind of like the entire premise of the show in season one and two. Yeah, and I, I loved it. I, lo- <laughs> I love because it you could really see on the performers' faces that they were like, oh shit, I have to stop being a performer for a second and fucking figure out what's happening to me. Mm-hmm. But when that show kind of developed its various spinoffs, uh, it, it was geared more towards the improv comedy uh, chops of its wonderfully talented extended cast, uh, which is all well and good. But it really made um, some of their shows feel a little bit like a, a flimsy excuse to make a bunch of TikToks in a row on a set. Um, yeah. Which is fine. Again, I love TikTok. I love seeing a game changer TikTok. Um, but I, I really wondered, like, could you do the same thing where instead of being made a, a game show that generates TikToks, it could be a game show that generates a podcast? Right. It, it kind of made sense for what they're going for. And if you don't know what we're talking about, Game Changer is on Dropout, which is an app. It's a self-serving uh, streamer that came out of College Humor. You might know them as the Dimension 20 place where you watch Dimension 20 <laughs> other than your YouTube. Yeah. Fun fact, they also have a bunch of other shows on that app, too. <laughs> yeah. And the intention of of the show is to get more people kind of the extended universe to, like, be on it and also to promote the stream, but get people to buy the streaming service, which totally makes mm-hmm. sense why it's become like a TikTok factory, which I mean in a very truly neutral. I agree with you, Misha. I mean, in a true neutral sort of like that's their creative intention. But it's kind of funny yeah. seeing like what the intentions are of all of this are for the particular medium. And that's going to be my next question. Why did you think a fake game show would work for a podcast? There's a part of podcasting that is really just like, we need any reason to start a conversation. And once the conversation Mm -hmm. is started, it generates a full conversational podcast episode. You know, and we talk about this at Multitude a lot, actually, where like, once you've got a good following, it's not actually as important that you stick to the subject matter pitch of your podcast yeah. uh, so much as that like people are showing up for you and to hear you talk and to develop a parasocial relationship. And <laughs> but so, in a nice way. But in a nice, but in, like, good a nice way. cool way where I appreciate it and it's good. You know, so I thought that there was room there for like one side of it to be a game show where like the person bringing you in was there to to sort of arbitrate and administer points but have the the actual content of the podcast still just be like someone coming on and talking about a cool thing they like and i was like what if you could give points for that yeah i i can see where you're coming from in those two ways whenever like 
I talk to podcasters, and podcasters are always embarrassed that they have a popular podcast or that they Seriously, work hard at a podcast. It's 2023. We've had podcasts for like 18 years. It's okay to like the thing that you do. It's yeah. cool. Everyone's like, oh, no, it's really just like a hangout sesh, ultimately. And it's like, one, no, it's not. And two, that's good that you could sustain a hangout sesh. The thing is, you don't actually just want – you don't want a meandering two hour two and a half hour conversation mm. like oh mm. what's up this is brian and the bros we're worrying my mom's basement talking about uh the the third rail of pop culture and politics and whatever crazy stuff comes to our head like you do need a reason to be there and then i think that they're yeah. also when you don't know what to say next you can kind of lean on the structure of the show but if the show mm-hmm. is a sham then it's okay if it's goofy. Exactly. Or if, if, it, if it's not really, if it really doesn't matter. Um, cosmically? Yeah. I guess is the, is the only adjective for me to say. Well, that's what's the best part about being a fake game. The, yes, there's a scaffolding of structure you can lean on, but the structure is uh, stupid and doesn't matter, so if you leave it, it's also fine. Right, where the points don't matter in the whose line is it anyway parlance. Exactly. Incredible. So, yeah, so I thought it'd be fun. And, uh, you know, in, in my mind, it was just like, you know, we'll put in some buzzers and we'll have a good time about it. And I gave this idea to you, Eric, and you're like, okay, I'm going to make this into everything. <laughs> it's going to become real. It's alive. Yeah, I think that going back to Taskmaster for a second is really interesting because I, I think that I want to continue this conversation of like how the game show fits on the particular mediums that we're talking about. So if we have Game Changer, we have digital online video, right? Mm-hmm. And then Taskmaster is an inversion or a play on the British TV show. Uh, if you don't know what Taskmaster is, it, it is, okay, so five comedians get told by one very large man who is the Taskmaster and his little <laughs> friend uh, to do a bunch of- And they're of sitting cha- in thrones. Yeah, and they're sitting in thrones on stage. <laughs> And basically, they're all invited to do various tasks. However, it's recorded ahead of time. And then the actual television show is watching the recording of the tasks. And then the taskmaster, who is played by incredibly tall comedian Greg Davies and and (laughs) Alex Horn, who is the little helper, like make fun of everyone and give out points. So it's like it's a show inside of a show. The tasks are interesting and varied and really, really like all over the place and they involve like in a very sort of like clever British way thinking out what's the most interesting or fun or uh, (laughs) like unexpected way to do it but then of course you'll get roasted in front of an audience on stage by someone who has power and his little friend and Alex Horn who's the little friend is the showrunner so he runs like pretty much the whole television show oh I see I see how it worked out I see I see what you did there so it's like if you know things about British TV they have these things called panel shows which are not talk shows and not game shows it's this like like once again an excuse to just kind of hang out yeah the the they always, whenever I see a clip of one out of context, it always looks like a game show, but there's never any scores or, like, the only competition is the competition you have with your roommates to, like, who gets the funniest bit the fastest, you know? Yeah. It's like four British comedians are sitting in front of buzzers, but all they're doing are making jokes about each other the entire time. <laughs> and then eventually it ends. Yeah. <laughs> the episode ends. And that's like an entire genre of their te- of like a, a television channel called Dave Misha. It's just <laughs> named Dave. 
Okay, in fair, okay, you are so, a little, uh, just quick divergence. Throughout your various media properties, you are obsessed with Dave lately. Yeah, Dave is a, com- is a comedy channel in the UK, and I decided it's so funny that it's called Dave. <laughs> I'll uh, remind you that, like, we had a TV network called Spike. That's a dog's name, st- man. <laughs> That's also funny. It's also yeah. funny. <laughs> All right, fair. Um, so how this would work for podcasting is exactly like Misha said. You kind of just need an excuse to have a podcast. Or you need an excuse to podcast. Mm -hmm. I think something that people have been figuring out, which is also why we ended up reaching out to Adel Refai in the first place, is like, hey, no one wants to go to an improv show, so here's a kind of sort of veiled premise, which is in fact improv. Yeah, and I well, think that's ha- that's happening on like the improv comedy side. But and then like there's another excuse of like we need an excuse to have a conversation about things you care about, which mm-hmm. is ultimately what multitude shows are really about: people talking about things they love and sharing and, and welcoming other people into that. Well, and also one of the things that you and I and a lot of us at Multitude Love are another side of that, like, let's make improv into an actual part of this industry thing, which is actual play shows, which is, again, yeah. that loose structure, that excuse to podcast is Dungeons & Dragons. It's just, like, a scaffolding, an excuse you can fall back on when, like, your improv bits need something in between to glue them together. Right. But, I mean, like, it's good having scaffolding, I think, is the reason why it turned into this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, having having a billionaire and an audio butler and a guest instead of just like kind of riffing generally because like you know I don't have any improv experience so I would rather like have a game I love coming up with games that's what I end up doing the majority of my day is mm-hmm. coming up with games that are going to be recorded on a podcast so I, I plan every episode of tell me about it and it's fun like preparing uh, what the mini game's gonna be, putting together the Wikipedia information, because we have something to lean on while, instead of just like figuring out what we're going to riff about for yeah. 60 minutes. Well, and one other thing that w- Tell Me About It has on D&D shows is like D&D, everybody's playing a character and that's the scaffolding. But like here we just ask people to come in and be uh, heightened fictionalized versions of themselves. Like, yes, Brendan Lee Mulligan is actually here, but he's also Brendan Lee Mulligan covered in honey. Like, that's funny. I do like it when we have people who like don't have improv training come on and just like are themselves. Yeah. Like the, the we had Dr. Boy McTeer was on and she's just like, I'm here. I'm just gonna talk about the thing my PhD is in. I'm like, great, perfect. I love this. <laughs> well, but even to that extent, there is a certain amount of like, okay, you're you, but you're you if you got black bagged to a billionaire secret island. Right. And then like that's the funny tension, right? Why we made it a billionaire <laughs> instead of just like this amorphous his taskmaster mm-hmm. is like the billionaire is like you have a a middle ground is like i need to do what he says because i'm in his place but also he's a buffoon yeah and it's like that's such something like the comparison that we've been making is like it's like the most dangerous game where you hunt humans for sport but like imagine remaking that in 2023 then it's like glass onion Right. Yeah, it is like Glass Onion. It's Elon Musk, whatever the fuck that guy's doing. Right, like uh, Elon Musk trying to hunt humans for sport is so much funnier of a premise <laughs> than like the bone chilling rich people have power. It's like rich people have power and they're also fucking idiots. Yes. And I think that's like an extra communicated thing for us to lean on, which I've been enjoying. 
Well, and, you know, being an audio medium, the fact that he's a billionaire, so he could conceivably own any object or location on Earth yeah. or outside of Earth. And we don't have to, like, draw it. We don't have to make art about it. Like, anything can be asked for in the moment, and then sound design happens, and all of a sudden you're there, and it exists just for as long as it needs to be for it to be funny. Right. That was the Jenna Steber episode where we were in a in a haunted cabin all of a sudden instead of, like, his giant manse. Yeah, like, there's another episode where, like, I think he opened a door, and, like, it was a river for Paul Bay to stand in so you could stand next to each other and have him be your fishing dad. Like, <laughs> no, right, there's right. just a full woodland stream inside my mansion cool you're rich i believe it yeah for sure so then yeah after the initial pitch i feel like i kind of molded it into what this was we ended up piloting this with moya because moya has shows in multitude um and she ended up talking about buffy the vampire slayer which yeah. i thought was a really really good thing the pilot we, we haven't released we only put it out to people who are like part of like the secret the secret crew of multitude <laughs> and like and it was really great as a subject matter because it's like people really like this but there are obvious downsides to this thing <laughs> that i can make fun of and for that run, like Misha was there, but I was kind of doing both sides. I was like being the billionaire and running it at the same time. Yeah, billionaire showrunner was not the correct division of labor. <laughs> no, no, no. And that not. also just let, you know, uh, one thing we ran into in that pilot was that like I was trying to manage the technical stuff because I knew I was still going to sound design it. And I was also trying to be low status to you while you were a buffoon one minute and trying to read the rules the next. Like the way it is now where you're the audio yeah. butler and you have the rules and Adel gets to sit on his throne is like way better. Trust me, guys. It's way better. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the stuff that were from the pilot. I remember, oh, the mini game that I did was that I looked up academic articles about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Buffy studies. <laughs> and I read the first part, like before the colon. And then I'm like, and then Dr. Moya McTeer, tell me, what is this paper about? <laughs> yeah. And it was always like some inversion of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and queering 21st century feminism. And I was like, no, it was. No, no, it didn't do that so that was that was fun and moya did a really good job like and it kind of set the premise for the gotcha questions was that obviously we talked about um whatever the fuck his name was the er the er terrible guy um, oh joss whedon of joss whedon yeah we talked about joss whedon and i i really went in on moya i was like i can't believe you like this while joss whedon is like and this was also right when that article re newly came out about joss whedon too. Yeah. So there was like, I had a ton of ammo. I'm like, everyone knows, has remembered recently that Joss Whedon was terrible. Charisma Carpenter's talking about it, blah, blah, blah. And Moya gave the best answer because she loves this thing. So she has already reckoned with this idea. She said like, so many people worked on Buffy the Vampire Slayer other than Joss Whedon. And Joss Whedon can say as much as he wants how much he was an integral to it and how it was all his brainchild and how he always <laughs> in love with Buffy. But like, every... 99.9% .9 of the people who worked on Buffy the Vampire Slayer was not Joss Whedon. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, damn, that's 100% correct. Well, and I think that's what's a little bit genius about the gotcha questions as part of Tell Me About It is that, like, it turns from an excuse to talk about your favorite thing into defending your favorite thing and why you love it. Like, when people get put on the defensive like that, they really come out swinging. And that's what you want to see when people talk about their favorite thing. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, and I, I, yeah, that, that all kind of coalesced. We were really figuring out 
how that all fit together and then and like how the points were being assigned but you know like the bonus points it's like it just kind of slots in the way that it slots in yeah well i do like having i do like having the high scoreboard at the end like regardless of whatever goes through rattle's mind when he gives someone a kajillion <laughs> points i still like that there is in fact both for Adel and for the listeners <laughs> i have a record of what ultimately happened well and that was i think that was part of the original pitch was to have a high scoreboard i think oh, yeah, my the, pitch was to have it be a pin on Twitter, which like, thank goodness we didn't commit to that and we just stayed on our own platform because what the hell is Twitter doing right now? But, slash X. A long time ago, <laughs> yeah. A long time ago. But yeah, the high scoreboard was always going to be there. It's also a really good way to bookend. Like, in the beginning, it's like, hello, we're tell me about it, and I black bagged you to my secret island, and then show happens, show happens, show happens, and then at the other end, it's like, and also remember, this is a game and you're being judged on it, and it's like a good sort of parentheses on the whole thing. Yeah, and and you're and you had to answer a question about Greece because we're coming back to what we said at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> Hey, it's Eric, and I'm no longer a cowering manservant. I am a podcaster, an audio professional, and I want to tell you about something special that Multitude is doing for the next two weeks. This is the Multi-Crew Drive. So the best way you can support Multitude as a podcast company itself is joining the Multi-Crew, which is our membership program that lets you, our listeners, help fund new work for Multitude and get exclusive perks. That's why from now until October 1st, we're running the Multi-Crew Drive where we put two weeks away to highlight the ways your support makes a difference and how that support gets paid back to you, our community. Our goal, we want to add 100 new and upgrading members to the Multi-Crew by October 1st. By joining the multi-crew for as little as $5 a month, you get access to amazing perks like exclusive audio content, a whole podcast that only multi-crew members get, access to our multi-crew-only channels and events on the Discord, and so much more. Here's how it works. If you join or upgrade by October 1st, you get our brand new This Mug Supports conversational podcast that brings people together mug. It is so incredible. It's so cool. Uh, our friends over at DFTBA did an incredible job putting it together. And if you join an annual plan, you'll be immortalized on the We Put 2023 on Our Back plaque that we're going to hang in the Multitude office. Here's the thing. Annual plans are very helpful to us because we can count on a whole year of support instead of varying month to month. So that's why we want to thank our annual members in particular at all tiers with these perks. Plus, you get a discount if you do an annual plan. You get two months for free if you sign up for the year. You're only paying for 10. You get 12. So, to join the Multicrew, head to multicrew.club to sign up for our annual memberships before October 1st, 2023, and receive these amazing perks, plus the mug, and be on the plaque if you're an annual member. Remember, sign up, annual membership, multicrew.club, join the Multicrew. Hello to our newest patrons for Tell Me About It, Kendall and, this is the full name, imagine having a nonsense word as your display name for six months and then constantly forgetting to change it. Couldn't be me. Sorry. That is the full name. Imagine that you get to make me read whatever you want if you become a patron at patreon.com slash pod. We are sponsored this episode by Hero Forge. Hero Forge offers fully customizable tabletop minis with dozens of fantasy species and thousands of parts to choose from. You can put those minis together on your browser. It's so easy to do. Our easy-to-use design tool lets you build your perfect miniature online using a fully 3D in-depth character creator right in your web browser. 
HeroForge is constantly expanding its catalog of customizable options. They add new parts every week, and they add major features like new species and custom posing on a regular basis. The HeroForge team is always adding new stuff. I like you can see on their Instagram. They're just like, oh, hey, we made some incredibly articulate swords, if that's something you like. They're like, yes, of course they do, because I'm using HeroForge. Also, if you're bad at doing stuff with your hands, like me, then you're going to love HeroForge's 2.0 color technology that allows you to create your perfect miniature in color with advanced features like decals, makeup, war paint, and more. Design your unique minis and get it printed in full color. No painting required. Your role-playing world is colorful. Now your miniatures can be too with HeroForge. Visit HeroForge.com to start designing your custom mini today. And check back often. New content is added every week. We are also sponsored by Creart from Ravensburger. Did you know that Ravensburger produces more than just the classic jigsaw puzzles and board games that we all know so well? Yeah, it's true. Introducing Creart by Ravensburger for the millennial, who the ultimate painting by number experience. You'll find everything you need to start your artistic journey today with Ravensburger's carefully curated painting by number kits. Whether you're a seasoned artist seeking a new challenge or a beginner eager to explore the world of painting, Ravensburger's kits cater to all skill levels and ages. Embrace the therapeutic benefits of painting by number. Key, see, this is the millennial part. As you melt away the stresses of trying to live in the 21st century and find solace in the act of creation without facing the pressure of a blank canvas. Have a hobby for once. Get a hobby. Don't monetize it. Just do it. Easily explore Ravensburger's wide selection of enchanting designs, ranging from majestic landscapes to adorable animals and everything in between. Let your imagination run wild and embrace the joy of painting with Creart by Ravensburger. Shop Creart on Amazon today. And now, back to the show. I don't even know the answer to this question. Is like Adol picked Greece, right? Adol was kind of our first choice for who's going to be the host of Tell Me About It because he had done similar stuff. Like I really like the Patreon of Hey Riddle Riddle, mm. where like sometimes they run just like ran. Adol sometimes they do like a quiz where Adol gives away like his possessions <laughs> 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 or like give their give someone like a gift card. I'm like, oh, that's really funny. And there's just like an ener- a manic energy to that that I I gravitated for for this particular role. Um, and Adol, uh, Adol's favorite movie is Grease. So oh. I thought it would just be funny to put this in. I wanted the entire time that the billionaire liked something that no one else liked. I wanted there to be the tension, but always there were going to be tension between I like something, but you like something, and this is my show, so I'm going to win ultimately, even if it doesn't have anything to do with the with like the scoring. Yeah, well, that's also a little bit part of what I was saying before about like when you make someone defend the thing they love, then they come out swinging. Yeah, and Gre- I mean, like, I guess I was being extra goofy. I'm like, no, we're going to talk about Grease, the movie musical, in every episode. Well, I think it's so funny, right? Because, like, you start out with the obvious trivia questions to Grease, but, like, I'm just trying to imagine what happens when we're 50 episodes in and we just have to find the most esoterica about the movie Grease. Like, we have to find the most minute things. I know, but, like, no one's going to get that. I think I'm going to have to redo some. Uh, because I'm at, like, I am running out of trivia <laughs> questions already. And, like, so few people have gotten these correct. So I think I'm just going to reuse some. All right. That's, you know, 
They won't know, but you, the listeners, will know. Start calling You'll out your know. favorite brief you can, answers. You can yell at how old ever all the ages of the people of the cast of Grease are. Then you can yell at that. Text all of your answers to Grease2323. <laughs> and if you want to vote for Ruben Stuttered, do 23231. <laughs> Oh, incredible. Uh, Misha, you, you're doing more than just being my little audio butler, my little guy who lives under the stairs because I'm very, but I'm nice to you. So you have like a nice kind of like nook there down on the stairs. It's, it's cool. Like it's really, it's really well padded and there's air conditioning. Yeah. It's like a dog's house in like a million at like a rich community. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. That's exactly what it's like. Thank you for putting me in your dog house. Eric. It's like, why does this, why does this dog need bohemian lights? Why does, <laughs> why does it need an oversized pillow? I don't know. Why, how is this dog's bed from Casper mattresses? I guess. I don't know. Gotta get um, those partnerships on Instagram, baby. Gotta get it, gotta get it. Misha, you do a lot of audio jokes. You do a lot of sound design that comes into a show that you would not expect there to be sound design for. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about it. Why do, you, why do you like doing it? Where, where do you think its presence fits into something that is kind of just like not explicitly audio fiction, which is where you would see sound design mostly? Yeah. Um, well, I'll, when we did the first original uh, pilot, it was more traditional, like, kind of standing for game show design. It was like, there are bells and buzzers and, you know, little game show noises. And that was fine. It was like, okay, you know, it, it sold the premise enough as a proof of concept. But you took it to find, one, you know, one of the best improvisers we could find to be the host of the show and mm. also unrestrained him from having to also be the rules arbiter. So, like... <laughs> Like, are you at, saying that was a mistake? Are you no, saying that was a I'm bad saying, idea? I'm saying uh, that the show was unshackled to be as zany as anybody wanted it to be. And like, no. sure, at an improv show, somebody can say like, yes, step into my rooftop garden. And like, the audience will go with them. But wouldn't it be funny if as soon as you said something, you could hear it? And like, we exist in a non-visual medium. It's pretty cheap to put sound effects in. Like, it doesn't cost an art budget, you know? Like, I could just do it. It takes me, like, an extra, you know, hour or whatever. Right. And when we were developing the first couple episodes, I was like, Eric, what's the philosophy behind what we're looking for sound design-wise? And you really were like, yeah, you know, you don't have to do everything, but, like, if it elevates what's happening, throw it in there. Do it if it's really funny. And I heard that, yeah. and I went, oh, Roger Rabbit rules. You can't do it all <laughs> right. the time, but you can only do it if it's funny. Uh, yeah. And... And I've taken that and I just ran with it. Yeah, I think that I remember doing this. I remember seeing this a lot in kind of like the co food cooking boom. Like, do you mm. remember the when you first watched the the Brad Leone videos on Bon Appetit? No, I'm sorry. You have asked the person who doesn't exist on YouTube very much at all. But I, I That's will fine. pretend. Uh, yeah, of course I know what that thing is. So if you remember Bon Appetit before they <laughs> blew up and had their big problems, Bon Appetit um, was a juggernaut on video on YouTube and they found this like thing that people love this food these food things and there was a goofy style that came from this guy Brad who was just like this big big goofy man which of course is the only type of man who, who there's the type <laughs> of man who would succeed out out here on YouTube but it's like the the all of this 
all the post stuff, like the they would add all these graphics and put jokes on the graphics. Like yeah. if Brad said, like he, you know, he was a real Long Island guy, so he would say words weird all the time. So they would like phonetically spell out <laughs> the word we the weird words he would say, That's or funny. like a keep a counter of like all of the jars he used if he was doing a pickling project. Like thing visual gangs that were only added in post. So there was a conversation, I think, between the recorded video, the editor, and then the audience. It's like it went through multiple, uh, like multiple steps of the <laughs> process. Like everyone got their hand on the ball at different times. Um, and I think that I've seen this in podcasting sometimes. I mean, another reference because Casey Tony is very, very talented <laughs> uh, over at Hey Riddle Riddle. He like how he he again is an, an incredible sound designer. Has worked on a ton of audio fiction and actual play stuff, and then just like really turns these improv scenes on Hey Riddle Riddle into something that feels a little real, even if, of course, it's this little improv scene. It's it's total joke. It feels like, and even just the sound design setting, but then, like, enhancing jokes by giving it sound effects. And I think if we push that to its ultimate limit, which is, like, if you think something's funny, Misha, put it in. Go ahead and do it. We can really just, like, is it, it's you, even though you're not at the recordings, you can still make jokes. Uh, yeah, and I do appreciate that. The, you know... It's not very often that I uh, get asked for my comedic sensibilities in post-production. Usually it's just, here's the script, do it. And mm -hmm. for Tell Me About It, it's really like, Adel said some stuff, man. What do you think? <laughs> you think you could do it? You think it's funny? Like, do it, man. Yeah. And I mean, I hope it's funny. I think that this is the thing... Going back to what we said about, like, making an excuse to have a conversation, the show should be involved in mm -hmm. the recording, in the production. I say this a lot when we make shows over here at Multitude. It's like, there's a lot of people in the room when you're recording. It's the people, it's the hosts and the guests, but, and the audience is there, because remember, you have to do it. It has to be for public consumption. <laughs> but then also the show's in the room. So if you're dying and you don't know what to say next, be like, hey, show, what do we do next? And that's yeah. you looking at your rigid notes, looking at your notes, looking at the rigid structure of the show and it's like okay i'm gonna go to the next round because i don't know i've kind of run my piece with this with this riff and i think they tell me about it kind of exemplifies that pre-production and post-production are the hard parts of podcasting and then production recording is just trying to capture lightning in a bottle and have fun yeah and i think honestly like the sound design is kind of the same way you know I also, like, every sound effect that I pick that goes in the show goes through a process where I listen to five other sound effects that are just like it, and I picked one. You know, it's to give, like, a really, really sort of overt example. Like, when you're sound designing something, you can find any scream that anybody has recorded, or you can pick the Wilhelm scream, which is a very famous scream sound effect that has, like, overt, extra added feelings that come with it whenever you use it now because so many people are in on that joke. Like, you can't, it, you can't help but also take with it the context in which it lives. But there's a lot of other sound effects that are like that. For example, um, there's one iconic, um, like, pottery breaking sound effect, and it was used in, like, oh, sure. Hot American Summer, but also everywhere. Like, I could use any plate breaking, or I can use that one that you'll know what it is as soon as you hear it, and it'll make you think of all the other times you laugh at it. Oh, that, yeah, that's when Paul yeah. Rudd threw the plate and it broke off screen. Yeah, yeah it, whenever yeah. they throw, it's not just a plate, it's whenever they throw anything off screen in Wet Hot American Summer and it breaks, they use that pot, no matter what it is. <laughs> 
is. They use the same pottery sound effect. And so there's there's a, a few sound effects that are like that. And, you know, every design thing about it is a choice. And I get to sift through my giant library and be like, which one would be the funniest here? And I do get to put my comedic sensibilities in just in those choices. And it's fun. I like the idea you're like a gardener going through the garden and like picking out these sound effects and like smelling <laughs> it and be like, no, not for my bouquet. The sommelier, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're swirling it around be like, ooh, this, this scream has legs. Yeah, in my apartment, um, there's a giant 40-gallon cask of sound effects and I just <laughs> sprig the tap. You know? It's made the old way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Misha, can you put uh, 10 Wilhelm screams in a row right here? Right here. Ready? Go. No, I wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> No, do it. No, I wanted to do it. Okay. That sounds great. Uh, Misha, I think that we, I, as much as I love this peek behind the curtain, I'm feeling a little, um, you know, I feel like a little naked. Everyone seeing what my production is like. Are there any episodes that you liked? What What's some of your favorite apps that we've done so far? I know we've only done 16, but. Yeah, I mean, the Paul Bay one is just so unhinged. Like, Paul knows how to Can take I, a- I want to say Paul did not tell us he was going to do this. We no. gave him the same prep <laughs> that everyone else got, which is Paul be yourself and talk about fly fishing. And he decided to do this because he's been inside and did not have someone yeah. to make jokes with for an extended well, period of time. And also I've known Paul for like a while and I could have told you he was going to take it in a direction that you wouldn't believe because that's what always happens. You're like, hey Paul, tell us about that time you used to be a youth pastor and he'll be like, oh, you mean the time I ran in the middle of a night from a cult? Because that's like Paul just escalates things. That's how he goes. I know. And you really did it coming escalate it. Because yeah. it's the same tone of voice as normal things. Yeah, he, he very much escalated it. Um, um, I also, I think it's really fun, you know, as much as pop culture things are a good touchstone for a very wide audience and like people really do love the movies that they love and the TV shows that they love and the books and the games that they love but like I do find it really interesting whenever we do a topic that is like someone's mundane niche expertise like Amanda's retirement plans episode yeah. or Moya's exoplanets episode you know when you're doing a pop culture one there's you sort of walk in and like Adel knows something about it or if he doesn't it's easy to sort of like find a movie and watch it real quick but like what could Adel possibly know about exoplanets before Dr. Moya McTeer walks into the room? Like, and and there's just like a certain amount of, sometimes it even breaks through the kayfabe where like he'll forget to be a taskmaster billionaire and just be genuinely curious about the topic. And I, I love those moments. I felt that way about Janet Varney's one. Janet Varney's was so specific. She's like, I went to this museum and I think it's really sick. I'm like, great. I, there are three <laughs> miniature museums. We're going to talk about those. Yeah. That sounds great. Um, yes. I also, I, I love Amanda's uh, retirement ones as well. Also, uh, that was like one of the only ap- podcast episodes anyone in my family has ever listened to. <laughs> wow. You you got your family to listen to a podcast you make? What's that like? Yeah. Hey, if you're any podcasters out there and your family listens to your podcast, you're lucky. Yeah. That doesn't happen to everyone. Actually, very few people that happens to. My mom uh, came to see... Uh, a production that I did at my high school of Carousel, Rodgers and Hammerstein's Carousel, and oh I God. was on I was on the stage crew, and I made her come see that. And ever since then, I can't get her to consume media that I make. That's it. I burned her For on the first Carousel. One. Yeah, I know. I burned it on Carousel, and she was like, Misha, 
don't ask me to come see things you do anymore. <laughs> I know. My mom, like, listens to other podcasts. She just doesn't listen to any of mine. She's like, I don't get it. I'm like, okay, but be supportive. <laughs> she does listen to some. Tell me about it. And if you're listening at this point, mom, hello. Hi. Thank hey, you yeah. Uh, you might. you know what you might enjoy about this podcast? Um, Your son is in it. Yeah. So she likes the <laughs> ones. Like that. She likes the ones of the subject matter she understands. So I can only pick out, tell me about it, that she might actually like. Eric? You should get your mom on Tell Me About It. No, she would love that too much. No, she wants to be on all of the shows. No, I, no. I already put her on one of the other shows. I put her on um the show that we had with Nicole Perkins called the, This Is Good For You, which is about like guilty pleasures. And I had my mom come on to talk about speed skating. She got really into speed oh. skating after the divorce with my dad. And it was like really empowering and everything. And I'm like, yeah, Nicole is like, yeah, people are going to eat this shit up. And now ever since then, she's like, I'm going to come back on a podcast. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I gave you your shot. I can't have my mom come on where I'm that low status. I don't think I can do it. I don't I, know. I don't know. I think nothing would be funnier than for your mom and billionaire Adler to team up and roast you. That like, that's pretty funny, Eric. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want this. <laughs> I don't want this at all. It's, okay. that's, this is my nightmare. Then it's a good thing that you run the show, huh? <laughs> and then I still have to show run the episode. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, Adol, can you redo this and stop making fun of me in front of my mom? Thing? And like, I have to get my mom set up to record. So I'm I'm monitoring that. And also while she's roasting me, I don't know if I can do that. That would be so funny. No, no. <laughs> write it. If, write it. Email us if that's what you want. If that's really what you want, I can get my mom on. But it, it's, I'm going to take so much psychic damage. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh my god uh, listen if, and especially if you haven't listened to any of the shows on Multitude uh, I think that you'll like all of them I do two other shows Misha edits a lot of them and I love making the show with Misha Misha I feel like you really understand where I'm coming from I, I this was your idea to begin with and it kind of grew but then like once it ballooned past what you came up with um, I feel like you're like, oh yeah, everything you're saying totally makes sense. Yeah, we can 100% do this. And it's nice being able to pass over the raw audio to you. And you're like, yeah, for sure. This totally makes sense. I'm going to do, I'm going to edit it. I'm going to sound design it. Not in like a, I'm not just like giving it to you. I like, <laughs> I trust it to you. Like you're going to do the thing you're going to do. Thank and you. I know I you're going to do it. And that's what's going to happen. And I appreciate that trust because you're right. I am going to do what I am going to do. And like. <laughs> Hopefully it's good. Uh, and everyone seems to think it's good and that they like it. So I'm just going to keep doing that. I like that. the iron lung. The iron <laughs> lung you did was really funny. <laughs> yeah. like, And that's that's also, again, going back to those recurring sound effects, is like when there's a recurring bit in the episode, I won't just use three versions of the thing and make it sound like there's a real object. I will use the same exact one because that sounds like a sound button that I'm pressing. And that's funny. Yeah, it's very funny. It's like you're you're sitting somewhere else using a soundboard, and that's very funny. That's the vibe I'm trying to give is, like, th there's an extra guy in the control room that is, like, at a giant keyboard, and I just, like, press all the buttons as Adel says them uh, to support mm. whatever is going on. I, yeah, there's just, like, an enormous amount of trust that you put in me to, like— Make the show good and fun, and I, I get to play. It's great. That's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to make it good and fun. While And I will be low status while that all happens. I'll do it. 
Oh, I want to give a shout out to the the synthesizer episode. When Mike Rugnetta came in and gave me the synthesizer to play with, I was just like, ha ha ha, Adel can't take this away from me. <laughs> I'm playing with it with real life outside of the kayfabe. And then it went, I was legitimately like entertained by the entire thing. Well, you know, the kayfabe, the kayfabe we talk about is, again, you gave me that mandate of like, don't do it all the time, only do it if it's funny. This show also is like, yeah, stick with the kayfabe. Don't do it all the time. Only do it when it's funny. Like, when it's funny to break the kayfabe, get rid of it. Like, all in service to getting that podcast gold that we can just put up on people's feeds. We're truly, yeah. any, any maneuver, any tactic that we can use to get funny audio, we will do it here. It, it's also a funny conversation of, like, what it's like to be a guest on a podcast. <laughs> I yeah. think it's kind of a meta commentary on guest about on guesting on a podcast, where you're like, oh, hey, yeah, just come on, talk about your favorite thing. And then all of a sudden, there's all of this is happening around you. And there's buzzers and weird questions and bits and rounds. And, like, I always say, I'm like, do you want to know what happens? And usually people are like, no, nah, I'll figure it out. I just don't, you don't have to prep <laughs> do anything. Do they? <laughs> most of the time most of the time they're like ah, i'll figure it out um but so it's always funny seeing the being like yeah a billionaire is going to yell is going to yell at you with his little audio butler there um and that's and then you're gonna be like hey here's my plugs at a great time <laughs> and well it's also a commentary on like doesn't anybody asking you to be on a podcast feel a little like being black bag to a remote island <laughs> just a little just a little bit just a little bit <laughs> Yeah, all of a sudden you wake up and it's like, all right, we record for three hours. We are going to record at midnight because we all live in a different time zone than you. <laughs> uh, and yeah, you're just going to have to show up and then maybe maybe someone will listen to it. Maybe not. Who, who can say? Who even knows? <laughs> uh, so I'm realizing we've like, created this commentary of the thing. But I, I listen, I love it. I love making the show. And ever, all of you who are listening, who told people about the show, who jumped in from the beginning, uh, thank you so much. And please make sure to tell people about this. The only way the podcast grow is when they get recommended by people. That's science. Science said that is that yeah. you need a person needs to give this to another person for them to actually hit the subscribe button. So if you like what we do, if you like what Adel's doing, if you like the guests, we're, we're planning on getting more, more interesting guests who you know and you love and people who, you, who you'll meet who have interesting uh, ideas. Um, yeah, I think you're, you're really going to love it. So tell people about the show. Tell people about. Tell me about it. Hell yeah. Uh, so yeah, once again, we are taking a break to do some to do some production stuff. We're going to be back in late October, still on a Thursday, like regular. The um, October bouquet of sound design will be particularly fresh. I know, you'll break out we'll all come your out of the spooky, cask ready to go. You'll break out all your spooky Halloween shit, regardless, uh, regardless of whatever the subject is. It's a second barrel right next to the first barrel of sound effects in my living room, in my apartment, and it's just got a big theremin painted on the front, because that's the spookiest <laughs> instrument. Is the is the spooky scary skeleton song is that public domain? Can we Absolutely use that? not. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was from like a 1940s cartoon, and I don't know. Just because things are from 1940s cartoons does not make them public domain, as we all have learned. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we're we're gonna get out of here. Please uh, stick around, tell your friend about the show, uh, and that was tell me more about it or whatever I said at the beginning of the episode. That's what you said. Uh, no, very good. Tune in again next week for a big barrel of effects, the Wilhelm scream, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Say goodbye, Misha. Goodbye, Misha. <laughs> <laughs>